0: That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. (laughs) Double Dash. Written by Daniel Wilcox. Narrated by Ian McEwen. It's so warm in the car that it makes me not want to head back out into the chill night air. The exhaust fumes catch the beam of the taillights at the back of the car, creating puffy red clouds that remind me of blood floating in water. It's nearly 3am, and I'm dimly aware that the man sat in the driver's seat is talking. You got that? The gruff, commanding voice of Agent Saxon asks, a paint-by-numbers copy of every handsome TV detective I'd ever seen. In and out. No mess. I raise an eyebrow. He rolls his eyes. Minimal mess, he resigns. I adjust the eye holes of my mask. Somewhere along the journey here, the thing had slipped, blocking half of my vision in a wash of white spandex. I always hated it, really. Never understood why our identities needed to be hidden in an outrageously camp costume that displayed our nether regions. At least, that was before my son, Bronco, was born. In and out, I say to myself in and out. I step out of the car, immediately feeling water seep up my legs as my outfit drinks from the puddle in the road. The rain has eased somewhat since the torrential downpour that had sheeted the metropolitan city only a couple hours ago. My mouth curls into a smile, my heart begins to race as I look across the road to where a run-down block of apartments is sat between two larger buildings. Covering the front is a smattering of profane graffiti. I look at the floor, exhale, and feel the energy pulse. In less than half a second I've traveled twenty meters and I'm at the front door, examining a panel of silver buttons some showing holes that reveal a mass of exposed wires. I buzz for flat 27. There's no answer. I turn around and see Agent Saxon waiting patiently. His lights are now off, and the window is rolled down. I can just see him from the dim glow of a streetlight nearby. If my eyes don't deceive me, he's pulled out a clipboard and paper and is now scrawling notes. Just what us specials need. A normie with a warrant, out to assess us with a line of tick boxes and numbers. I wonder how he'll grade me. If it's not at least a B+, I'll... I buzz again taking a step back to look up to where a curtain shifts and closes on the third floor. I look at the floor, exhale, and feel my flesh rip as I send one up to the window. Another man dressed in white spandex, floating twenty feet off the floor. He knocks. I hear a startled cry, retract the other back into my body, and ring the bell again tugging at my crotch where the rain has made the material stick to my thigh. This time, there's a crackle before a voice comes over the speaker. I've got nothing, bozo. Go home. This ain't a place for you. Surely that's for me to decide, I say with resolute rhetoric. There's a moment of silence. I check behind me and see Saxon's head poking out the window. His hand raises to his face, and from here it looks like he's adjusting his glasses. Only there are none on his face. When the silence becomes uncomfortable, I debate splitting once more. When I hear, very well, and the buzzer sounds to unlock the door. Of course, I could have simply dashed to Flat 27. I could have been there before Saxon's car door had closed behind me. But where would the fun be in that? If we specials chose to use our skills every minute of the day, we'd certainly get a lot done. But damn it, we'd be exhausted. Sometimes it's nice to act as the normies do and take your time even if that meant dragging a wet, heavy outfit up three flights of stairs. The man's door is scratched and covered in marks. There's a lighter patch on the wood in the shape of the number 27. Where the sign had gone, I had no clue. I knock. He answers on the first try and sticks his head around the door. I remember his profile from a yellowing computer monitor. Samuel DeGeno. Metalhead curtain of hair and a pallid face. Tight lips and stone gray eyes. Pubescent goatee and a mean grin. Five counts of assault, three of robbery, and one DUI. An unimpressive list, to say the least. Until he adds one more charge to the pile. Laughing, then throwing the door open wide and plunging his ten-inch blade straight into my kidney. His face lights with triumph. I slowly look down at the red, now seeping into the weavings. Sure, it hurts. For a brief second, I close my eyes, focus my energy, and feel myself tearing. Relaxation is the core. Only this time I allow my consciousness to travel with me. The thug until I'm standing behind him. I tap him on the shoulder. He turns around and his triumphant smile melts to confusion. I know what you're thinking. Oh, I'm still there, all right, stuck on the pointy end of the knife like a cheese chunk at a cocktail party. But they don't call me Double Dash for nothing. And as the version of me that I left behind flops and falls to the floor, I sock Samuel in the face before he has a chance to react. I yawn and stretch, looking down at the former convict, now spooning my clueless corpse. I turn and enter the apartment. not the one I'm here to see. There's a bang from the other room and the sound of a lock turning. I stride down the corridor, coughing a little as smoke begins to thicken. (coughs) Hello? I say in the sickliest sweet voice I can muster as I rap on the only door I find firmly closed. It's Double Dash with an urgent message for Sebastian Locke. I count to ten in the silence. This is your final warning! There's a deafening crash as a large hole blows in the door. Wood splinters and shatters in all directions. The bullet finds its way into the opposite wall, raining plaster. A second later, the double barrel of a shotgun pokes through the gap. It's all I need. I crouch down to stare directly into the barrel. There's a cold rush of smoky air as I look through the infinitesimal gap created by the bullets and into the room where Sebastian and his lady friend are trying so desperately to keep themselves safe. Booyah, I say and close my eyes. There's another gunshot, and I hear the bullet tear through flesh, splattering the corridor in a wash of red. Sebastian retracts the gun, peeps through the hole, and begins to laugh. <laughs> Dumbass fucking supers! Teaches them right for messing with us, eh, Franny? Damn right, baby! Franny coos between loud chews of bubblegum She struts over to him, her naked form swaying in all the right ways, and strokes her arm across his shoulders. You know, I love a powerful man. Someone who's not afraid to break the law and spill a little blood. Her tongue darts in his ear. I'm afraid that's exactly why I'm here, baby. They turn as one, their faces a picture, as they see me sat casually on the leopard print sofa, one leg crossed over another. You've been a naughty, naughty boy, Sebastian. I look at Franny. Wouldn't you say so, kitten? Franny chooses not to answer. Sebastian goes to aim the gun at me once more then realizes that he must have dropped it on the floor as Franny was whispering words into his ear. He looks up in horror and sees that I am now pointing a gun at him. A gleaming silver police issue that he had made the mistake of leaving on the arm of the chair as I cloned my way into the room and left my former skin to die. Relaxation is a core. Bastion begins to laugh. (laughs) He stands and shoves Franny aside, as if she were nothing but a discarded tissue. His greasy locks hang like wet strings in curtains across his forehead, his white tank top covered in gray and yellow stains. He reaches his full height, and there's a confidence in his words. There's no point in trying to scare me, Dash. Or, what is it the papers call you now? Oh yeah, Double D. He turns and laughs at Franny, seeking validation for his joke. She continues to stare, wide-eyed. Or at least, maybe try not to look intimidating when your costume makes you look like the spunk that she swallows. I shrug. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. There's nothing intimidating at all about this. I blink and send a clone to the door. The other me stoops and picks up the shotgun Sebastian dropped and aims it at the back of his head. Sebastian turns, sees the second gun, and for a moment, his facade falters. You think I'm stupid? He says uncertainly. We all know the rules, Dash. Specials can't legally harm or murder civilians without a visit from the Reaper and a lifetime sentence in Alcatraz. That's maybe, I say, rising from the sofa and approaching until the end of the gun is resting against the center of his forehead. But you murdered my son, didn't you? Sebastian's face drops. Franny whimpers in the corner. There's a moment in which I'm certain I can hear the four hearts beating in the room. Then several things happen at once. Sebastian ducks, throws a fist into my stomach, and I send a bullet flying into the ceiling. A chunk of plaster falls and lands on Franny's head, knocking her unconscious. I feel the fist push the air from my lungs as I fall backwards towards the sofa. Meanwhile, the second me that's standing by the door lets loose the shotgun— firing a bullet straight through the back of Sebastian's skull and popping his head like a water balloon. The bullet continues its trajectory into my heart, and I barely have a second to throw my consciousness into the shotgun-holding version of me. Suddenly, I'm watching the two bodies falling. A moment later, they're both still. is now a mess. Along the left-hand wall is a full-width mirror. I aim my gun at the glass, heart fluttering as I realize that, in just a few seconds, I'll be reunited with Bronco. I'll be reunited with my son. Ah, I can hear him now. he's been like this how long? Two men in lab coats stand either side of a middle-aged man with graying hair, each with a clipboard in their hands. Months now. We've been trying to reach you, but your father hasn't been the most reliable source of information. Bronco stares through the glass at the man he once recognized. The last he had seen him had been close to twenty years ago now, though, looking at the man he had once called Dad, it looked more likely to be forty. The man on his left hands the clipboard to Bronco. Across the pages are red squiggles and observations. Most elders that we get to our facility come because they've lost all memory. Maybe they're mistaking ovens for showers or their families for coat racks. But your father is an interesting case. Bronco turns a page. It says here he thinks he's a superhero? The ancient man on the other side of the glass holds up an invisible gun. Lowers it to run several feet across the room and face where he'd just been standing. He then emulates gunshots to his chest and falls to the floor, narrowly avoiding whacking his head. He calls himself Double Dash. Does that mean anything to you? Bronco finds himself smiling as a lazy tear rises. Yeah, he was the first developer to put the double dash feature into the first computer games. Mario, Crash, the Lego series, they've all used it ever since. He stands a while, watching his father scramble off the floor before training the imaginary gun at the glass that separates them. For a moment, they stare at each other. Bronco steps forward and places a hand on the glass Dad The old man pauses a moment then raises his own Son Son The man on Bronco's right turns to his colleague Saxon Look Saxon adjusts his glasses, takes back his notepad, and begins to scribble. hope you enjoyed this episode of the other stories double dash was written by daniel wilcox narrated by ian McEwen, edited by carl hughes with music by affected brain and tom robson so we're gearing up to release our next print edition of the other Stories. It's going to collect volumes seven to nine and we're giving away five free copies so to be in with a chance to win head over to www.hawkandcleaver.com and follow the instructions so me and the guys just want to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We hope you have a lovely, relaxing time spent drinking and boozing and whatever with friends and family. And here's to an amazing 2017. So, until next year.